So I think we were skipping around a little bit and might as well reread these second two paragraphs here. Um, the body is a creature of the mind's creation. It's, it has its biases. The biological bias must be first completely understood and then the opposite bias allowed to find full expression and understanding. Again, the process of acceptance of the body as a balanced and we as well as polarized individual may then be accomplished. It is then the task to extend this understanding to the bodies of the other selves whom you will meet. The simplest example of this is the understanding that each biological male is female, each biological female is male. This is a simple example. However, in almost every case wherein you are attempting the understanding of the body of self or other self, you will again find that the most subtle discernment is necessary in order to fully grasp the polarity complexes involved. What's a polarity complex? I assume that would be the concept complex that includes both ends of the spectrum of the polarity. Oh, I see. It's in totality. I, I was thinking, does it does it involve another um, another spectrum? Um, I've been thinking about that in relationship to the emotional, and seeing that as a as a um, a continuum going one way, and then also realizing that your relationship to emotions is almost a perpendicular. Um, but that makes sense. The polarity complex is just meaning both ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So I assume uh, <laughs> the cars are an interesting extension of the body and you know, the examples of being on the road are very applicable to, you know, we have to understand the, the biases of those cars on the road could be getting you in trouble if you're not very, very aware of the fact that they could be going too fast or too slow. That's a very simple example too, I think. Well, yeah, why do you suppose the simplest example of this? So what they're exemplifying is um, to extend this understanding to the bodies of the other selves. And the simplest example of extending this understanding to bodies of other selves is the understanding that each biological male is female. So, okay, so what, what they're saying is that we can very simply and easily start to claim more balance here by the simple understanding of when I see a biological male that there is a spiritual female present here is sort of what this is saying. Now, didn't they didn't they talk about this exact same male as female? Um, is this the only place in the raw material that they do? Because I remember this concept, but I didn't remember if it only came up here or uh, if it came up somewhere else. I think there's an interesting one here in 31.7 um, talking about magnetic attraction. And they said, we use the term to indicate that in your bisexual natures, there is that which is of polarity. The polarity may be seen to be variable according to the, shall we say, male-female polarization of each entity. That would be each entity biologically male or female. I wonder if they're saying certain men are more more feminine and certain women are more masculine too when they say it's variable. Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, this whole relationship, so finding balance between the 
the male and female or the masculine and, and feminine has been present here for me for a lot of a, a little over the last year the first person to mention it to me was my reiki healer um, a little over a year ago and she recommended that i research yin energy or my yin energy and she sort of phrased it a little bit nebulously and i just went okay and i went and got a book and um now understanding the divine feminine in terms of this um all um possible potentiality and all of that makes a little bit more sense but understanding that we have a pendulum going on here and so if we find ourselves overactivated on one of the ends of the spectrum um and and this is again something that liz and i were diving into um driving back down from denver but um if you are overactivated on the divine masculine meaning you are um, predisposed to this constant choosing, this constant activation, this constant positively identifying a thing and you know choosing that. Well, then that can very easily lead to frustration because you're you're in a a, a heightened, overstated sense of control and needing to to dictate what's going to happen and the converse is true as well and that's something where um you know liz is i think you know for example trying to figure out does this reflect more on her um fifth chakra and her voice or more fundamentally at this hierarchical um level and whether she's you know doing a great job of holding space or understanding possibility and potential they're doing very little to um to actively choose in her own life and therefore, you know, moving, you know, progressing things down. So we were talking about where people can be on that spectrum and what we are um, pre-wired to perhaps spiritually, and then what we may overcompensate toward here in, you know, physical manifestation. And ultimately though, finding that balance is really key when it comes to the feminine and masculine, because you have to have possibility and potential um, and you also have to have some sort of a of an activating principle involved to choose them. So um, that's a wonderful place to find balance, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive into the archetypal aspect here and then we can see what may be beyond that aspect. And um, in, in the previous thing we were just looking at was about the se sexual energy. I think maybe the you know the the buildup of sexual energy can relate to some of the expression too, of of the archetypal energy. Um, uh, but in, in the session ninety two here, they they Don asked uh, the matrix of the mind, which is the the archetype of consciousness, is depicted seemingly as male on the card, and the potentiator, which is the archetype of the unconscious mind, the potentiator mind is is depicted as female. Could Ra state why this is and how this affects these two archetypes? Ross says, firstly, as we have said, the matrix of the mind is attracted to the biological male and the potentiator of the mind to the biological female. And so I, th I think by this, they're saying that the there's a natural archetypal energy around male and female, that more of the matrix of the mind is attracted to male, more of the potential potentiator of the mind is attracted to female. Thusly, in energy transfer, the female is able to potentiate that which may be within the conscious mind of the male so that it may feel inspirited. And so that refers to actually sexual energy transfer 
And I think at one point they say that this can also be like a social exchange. It doesn't have to be an orgasm thing. I think it can be an exchange that ha that happens more naturally in the context of conversation. Does that does that ring a bell to you guys? Um, maybe. I feel like it does. I feel like um, the the um, the specific mentioning of it not necessarily having to be sexual rings a bell because I remember thinking uh, at the time reading I can't remember what what session it was but I remember thinking um, you know th this is why groups that are balanced have better outcomes because they have the ability to see things from all of the different angles whether it be overly uh instead of being overly male dominated or overly female dominated mm -hmm. does that does that jive for you guys to feel that um could can you um feel that dichotomy do you feel that that does that resonate as a mode of your expression that biologically you are compensating for spiritually what is um you know it's opposite i mean does that resonate for you guys that that that's one of the ways that we're finding this balance is that we are predisposed one way and then choose biologically the other way so that we can have this experience i think so yeah i've always thought that i've had more past lives female than than male how you take this but the the I don't, i've never gone to anybody to have like uh, past live readings or anything like that it's just been kind of a more intuitive thing but um i think i've said the this example on one of the other talks uh one of the non-recorded talks but the one of the coolest things i've ever heard was a um a person went to the past life regressionist and said like i don't know what's going on i just like I'm allergic to everything. I walk outside and everything agitates me and, you know, I don't know what's going on. And they, they regressed them and they did a past life regression and they found out that, um, well, they didn't prompt, um, they didn't prompt, uh, the regressionist. I, I must say that it, it came up after the regressionist had done the regression. And, um, the person said that, uh, you know, you, you are someone that, uh, um, is predisposed to being inside. And your predisposition to being inside is to force you into an environment where you're going to encounter people because in a past life, you used to isolate and seclude yourself in gardens. Apparently this person lived in a, in a very, um, they had lots of money or their family had lots of money and they could escape into the gardens, into the estates gardens. And they would just be there out in nature and, and not interact with people. And then the person said, you know, that's funny because I'm allergic to everything when I go outside now. And they, and they, they just had like a little chuckle because, you know, yeah, okay, that experience is very um, beneficial to the spirit, to the soul. You know, if we're all one and we're all feeding our experiences up so that, so that the, the one can have all of the experiences from all of the different lenses, it would make sense that if you had that experience, the one would go, that was fun. But now let's have the opposite. Now you're allergic to everything outside. Go inside and see what that produces. Go try yeah, that. Yeah, time yeah. with the pre-incarnational choices there, right? So you're trying to set up this incarnational experience to get that opposite, to then be able to bring that back to the creator as having the full experience. So yeah, Andrew, to answer your question, I do I do think that resonates for, for those reasons too, what Nick said. 
but then what Mike pulls up here is sort of it controverts that um a little bit. Um Ross seems to confirm what Don is asking here in although I I like the 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 wording in here um by the way rather than them saying that the biological male is attracted to the matrix of the mind this is actually the opposite and I really like that because the the archetypical mind is not something that we pull off of the rack and put on and and go you know wearing into life it is fundamentally us and it's seeking realization it's seeking manifestation right in reality and so i really like that it's saying this aspect of consciousness is attracted to you know to the biological male experience though i still am kind of at um, is this not, does this not sort of controvert a little bit of what the previous passage was in, in saying that the opposites are both present generally? Well, I think that we are experiencing the opposite when we're experiencing a person who is the opposite gender. So I think there's naturally an uh, opportunity for the, the dipping in uh, into the potentiator by the male principle the male principle is 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 well i maybe should read this next paragraph here in a more general sense that which reaches may be seen as a male principle that which awaits the reaching may be seen as a female principle so i think that's the deepest um simplest level where we can see obviously each of us has that both sides of that um reaching and awaiting reaching component um and they say the richness of the male and female system of polarity is interesting. We would not comment further, but suggest consideration by the student. So I guess they, they don't want to overly shade the way that we are dealing with these concepts. Yeah. But this does seem to still be somewhat in opposition to the previous passage that says more specifically that. Um, but what did it say? It didn't say spiritually one chooses the other. It was pulled um, up here. Thirty-one, was this? Yeah, um, uh, no, this the one before that that got us even into this. Um, well, we were originally talking about. There it is. Oh, wait. Um, back one. We were saying. Hey, uh, is this it? Um, the original one was yeah the session six yeah yeah that one this one where it says the understanding that each biological male is female and each biological female is male so why do i why do i have that understanding if these other passages are more affirming that you know the divine masculine is in fact predisposed to um biological maleness and and the same goes for the female, whereas this seems to be opposite. I think that this is saying that the simplest example is understanding that each biological male, uh, the matrix of the mind, oh, is understanding you know, it. I see. The understanding. I see. That's the key, you know. I see. Yeah. No, I totally get it. It's okay. Yeah. We, we both as soon as you said that, it was like of okay, the mind and the potentiator of the mind. Yeah. Yeah, Could you clarify not, your your um, they are the realization? Yeah, to realize it, to comprehend each, to comprehend the femaleness of 
each male to know that each each body represents both ends of the spectrum no matter what um is sort of what they're saying so understanding um that is what will claim um another body in its you know in its balanced form i suppose yeah and yeah. i think that in a roundabout way ra is saying in this passage and this one was previous to the other one right this one is earlier than 92 this is in the 60s this is five this is session five yeah session five oh, yeah so like real early on this is this is ra saying you know you have both the the matrix and the potentiator of mind but he hasn't explained all that yet so he's basically just being like you know it's it, take it from the example of somebody who knows that the the male represents the matrix of the mind and the female represents the potentiator of the mind he's saying that without saying that right here you know he's making uh don uh ask his way to the matrix the potentiator and the significator he he has to ask his way into that that line of questioning so that he he is inviting that knowledge in and Ra already knows that knowledge. So Ra's saying, you know, oh, well, you know, you, you're both male and female. And then, you know, who knows if, if Don had asked the questions differently, they might've gotten to the matrix potentiator and significator in session six, but you know, it, that's the journey. Yeah. Yeah. I took a long time to start getting to the archetypal information. But this is really helpful, though. This is this actually does jive very well with with the previous passages on the on the mind in in balancing each of the thoughts. And so, in this case, effectively, it's the same thing. If we consider biological maleness as a thought, and it occupies, um, you know, it has this investment that we put into it, what it means to be a male well that in and of itself is has a as a narrowing or a a limiting claim and therefore a, a the effect of limitation on on a thing because we've invested it with um with meaning and a particularly extreme meaning because it represents one side of a spectrum and it's not until we can see the the antithesis of that as also being true that we've now um, divested that additional meaning that we put into what it means to be a biological, you know, male. So, I mean, in other words, it's always a conversation. What our perception is when I perceive a biological male, if I ascribe all of the male aspects to that physical entity, then I'm reinforcing that, um, that imbalance in that, in that body and that other self, because right. to the extent that that person also is imbalanced, then I'm reinforcing that as opposed to if I bring the balance in, then I'm, I'm now introducing a more balanced claim on that physical manifestation in, in perception, which again, goes back to that dialogue that's in, in um, that's happening. So when I see it, if I see it in balance, then I'm now also introducing the possibility of balance to that physical being yep. finding the completeness seems to be the theme here yeah 
I think that also ties in then with the concept that Ra talks about a lot, that un unmanifested self, which is what then also provides the catalyst to you to then have you think, I guess, under the opposite terms there to somewhat create that balance, right? So from the masculine to the feminine, your overly masculine, the unmanifested self would present you with some sort of catalyst, whether that's making you cry or some sort of thing generally concerned with the feminine to make you start thinking along those lines a little differently. Um, I was just thinking about that when you were talking about your realization there, Andrew, that seems like that idea comes up a lot too. Yeah, that's a good point that the higher self is always calling forth the catalyst that the soul requires for its journey. And if we're predisposed archetypically one direction or the other, then yeah, to your point, I think that's exactly what the higher self is going to do is bring catalysts that will help us realize um, the balance realize the the truth in the middle i also found it very interesting that uh nick brought up the idea of the left side of the body being more feminine the right side being more masculine um, because it also corresponds to this idea of the um that which reaches being the male principle that which awaits reaching being the female principle and that's kind of the energy flow that they talk about the the left side being the the receiving side the right side being the the I guess what you would call the the outward positive sending of energy. And then it's crazy how it, it uh, crisscrosses and then becomes the different hemispheres of the brain. Yeah. Whereas left becomes the serial processor and the right becomes the, the more free thinking side. Yeah. Oh, this, this analog versus digital, we were getting into that a little bit over the weekend too, I think. And that was, that was pretty interesting as well, seeing you know, just two different perspectives shaped, you know, just in different ways. So we could move on now, I guess. Um, but I, I do feel like this is a, a subject where like books could be written on, you know, what, what Nick was describing. And this is like an endless uh, discovery process of what, what are these different biases of the body? And I mean, that's really all, all of, health knowledge is kind of falling under this category of how do you find the balance in your body again through understanding all these subtle processes the subtle discernment the most subtle discernment is necessary in order to fully grasp the polarity complexes involved well and it says right above that or the top of the paragraph right above that the body is a creature of the mind's creation which means to understand biases within the body to me have to lead to the discovery of biases in the mind and so for example if you find that the body is representing the extreme of a polarity for example um, obesity and overeating, then understanding the thought processes that that lead to the type of that type of behavior um, would probably be uh, crucial right like you can't like without context you can't just look at well i don't know maybe you can um but it seems that if you're looking at extremities in the body um, and polarities that um would you identify those and have those lead you into therefore the thoughts that have led to them or would you go find the balancing thought and balance it in the absence of of the predisposition or the absence of whatever that 
Um, I don't know if I said that, if that makes sense. Could you discover this without discovering the false belief and correct it by simply finding the balanced, um, you know, the, the other bias? Um, or would you have to discover the, the false limiting belief in the middle of it, you think? I think that there's multiple ways to get to the healing, but ultimately when you do the healing, either through the body or through the mind, it's polar opposite will fix itself. You know, like somebody that, for example, if we're going to use the overeating example, someone that overeats, you know, they may overeat because it's their life is out of control that, you know, what's the point in even trying blah, 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 yada, yada. And then this, this mental atmosphere turns into, well, I, I can control what I eat. I feel joy in eating and therefore they eat overeat because that doesn't feel like that mental uncertainty. But then I've known many people that were overweight and then they, they were like, you know what? I, I just decided one day that I didn't want to, to be like this anymore. I saw everyone outside running around and, and I couldn't do that anymore because of my weight. And then they started getting control of their weight. And in the process of getting control of their weight, they had this better mental atmosphere. They didn't, they weren't this mostly depressed. The world is what it is type person. They felt like they could do. So whether you, whether you fix the mental first and the body comes after, or whether you fix the body first, the mind will come after it's, it's, you know, that I, I, I love that line where they say that the, the body is a creation. Uh, the body is a creator of the mind's creation is a creature of the mind's creation. Like the body is of the mind or the, or, or vice versa. You know, you can destroy your body through a, a crappy mental uh, out outlook, or if you, have no care for your body and you go skydiving without a parachute and survive, you're going to have a crappy mental outlook afterwards, you know, because you, you destroyed the body and then you go, you're destroying the mind through it. Yeah. I, I think, think that's an important distinction there. What you were saying is that you can do that physically or mentally, you can destroy your body that way. And that's, it makes a lot of sense through physical eating or through physical actions. You can do that. And yeah, that, that really seems to ring true with what, what Rob was saying. And I also think it's uh, helpful to bring in a quote like this, uh, where they talk about the relationship between the, the catalyst of the mind and body. They say catalyst is offered to the entity. If it is not used by the mind complex, it will then filter through to the body complex and manifest as some form of physical distortion. Yeah. The more efficient the use of catalyst, the less physical distortion to be found. Interesting. Yeah. And that, I think, is a perfect example of... Um, when I was talking about when I forgave my friend, uh, it, it's, it was offered to me to forgive that person. And I didn't. And what happened, you know, uh, in, in the most extreme sense, who knows, I could have been growing a cancerous tumor because I was holding on to all that in the, in the less extreme sense, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't living the life that I wanted to live. I wasn't doing these things that I wanted to do because instead of putting the mental, uh, work in and then reaping the benefits on the other side, I was, I was not using it as a catalyst and therefore it filtered into the body. And by it filtered into the body, I mean, it just filtered into my physical reality. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
makes sense. I love how they they put it too. They say it's offered. Catalyst is offered, and it's like, um, no, you're getting it one way or the other. Is yeah. what I'm saying here. Catalyst is foisted upon the entity, and you can either process it mentally, um, or let it come through to the physical body complex. Yeah, and then it's almost like if if you if you take the opportunity uh, to use the catalyst offered to the mind, if you take that opportunity and you address it right there in the mind, it doesn't play into the body. But if it plays into the body, then all of the other catalysts down the line become that much more difficult as you distort your physical being through means of not addressing the mental uh, body that needs to be, um, you know, the, the mental lesson that needs to be learned, that it just plays into the body. And then you just get this pylon effect um, oh man, well, I think it was Alan Watts. He was like, you could sweep everything under the carpet, but then the pile under the carpet just gets bigger and bigger. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. That's the point I was going to bring up there, Nick, too, what you said is like, if you don't use it, uh, Rod talks about another point in there that you're going to keep continuing to get hit with that catalyst until you actually do truly understand it and utilize it for, for the lesson it's trying to teach you. So yeah, yeah, for sweeping around the rug, that's the perfect example there. You're just going to have a bigger and bigger mess underneath there, if not. I mean, an extreme example of of the um, the simple traffic uh, example that we keep coming back to. If you never learn forgiveness, and your road rage builds and builds and builds and builds, you know, there's stories of people get, getting shot on the on the road because you know, or it, take it outside of the U.S. where they don't have guns. You know, somebody is is so enraged when they drive because they haven't learned to forgive that they wind up in an accident because they're driving too fast. They're, you know, doing whatever, but that, that, it, you know, you could get cut off a million times and not forgive a million times and hold on to those million acts until the million and first, when it turns into a, an accident, because you were like, ah, screw you. I'm going first. And then you smash into somebody. I mean, that's, you know, an extreme example of, of the, um, the simple, uh, 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 getting cut off in traffic example that we've used, but I mean, it, it's happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to me how how often the get, getting in very traumatic accidents can give people so much time to meditate on a hospital bed. <laughs> hey, like, yeah. <laughs> people just get us like to take a break from life after they have these kinds of experiences. Yeah, I mean, it, it's almost like you didn't learn the mental lesson you were supposed to learn because you were too caught up in the physical world and then life goes well now you don't have the physical world now you have to play in the mind yeah yeah the other key example they bring up there is the death of uh death of someone in your family or some uh entity close to you that typically that's trying to show you something but we always do the opposite where we then start to disassociate further from reality and we're not taking that lesson so your life just continues to get worse when you're not actually learning that lesson so I forgot which session that was in. That might be around the 60s, Mike, where you were looking at earlier. But um, I, I thought that was interesting. Um, I got COVID, by the way. That's how. That's why I got COVID was I needed a week. Um, and I mean in a really big way. My my life may have unfolded in, um, in a different way and that I would have probably just um, wasted a lot of time, frankly, 
Um, so yeah, I think that we can manifest things physically, even for the opportunity of like just getting a pause and a timeout, because that's, that's literally exactly what I needed. And right when I needed it to was I needed a, a week long timeout to, um, to allow some things to gel and to allow some context to kind of seep into, you know, these events that were unfolding at the time. And had I not had that week, it, you know, things would have kept moving in a different direction. So um, I'm very, very thankful. And that's the only thing I've gotten really to be sick with in at least 12 years. I think we've talked about this a few times before, but I don't remember um, the last time that I got a cold or a flu. It's been at least 12 years, um, but I just don't get, you know, sort of viral or, you know, those kind of uh, illnesses. So this came out of blue and was exactly what I needed when I needed it. It's funny you bring that up because that's actually the second example they give. So it was 34.6 and 34.7, and the 0.7 was on the contagious diseases side of it, that they'll have no effect as catalyst if it's not needed, where, you know, vice versa. So in your case there, it was clearly it was needed, so it had that effect on your body then. Yeah, which is which is very interesting because otherwise, but, and I mean, like I have people that work for me that like they're out you know, constantly every single year they're out, you know, throughout the fall and winter, they're out, you know, four or five, six times. Most of them um, get something every single year, if not multiple times. The question here was, do contagious diseases play a part in the process respect to the unmanifested self? Um, the so-called contagious diseases are those entities of second density which offer an opportunity for this type of catalyst. This catalyst is unneeded. Then the second density creatures, as you would call them, do not have an effect. In each of these generalizations, you may please note that there are anomalies so that we cannot speak to every circumstance, but only to the general run or way of things as you experience them. So I guess mm. most diseases won't affect us if we're not needing that catalyst. Yeah. Uh. Interesting. So I thought one other thing that we could switch over to now, what we started talking about briefly in the other um, conversation about when they talk about the physical body, were they talking about the um, the etheric bodies at all? And I still don't know if, if we decided on any answer to that. Um, but we could cover briefly what they what they said about these etheric bodies. And maybe there's some linkage here uh, to understanding the relationship between the, the mind work and the physical work through these bodies. Um, so the question was, in our esoteric literature, numerous bodies are listed. I have here a list of the physical body, the etheric, the emotional, the astral, and the mental. Can you tell me if this listing is the proper number? And can you tell me the uses and purposes and effects, et cetera, of each of these or any other bodies that may be in our mind-body-spirit complex? And Ross says, to answer your query fully would be the work of many sessions such as this one. For the interrelationships of the various bodies and each body's effects in various situations is an enormous study. However, we shall begin by referring your minds back to the spectrum of true colors and the usage of this understanding and are grasping the various densities of your octave. So they're referring to the, the colors of the chakra system. We have the number seven repeated from the macrocosm to the microcosm in structure and experience. Therefore, it would only be expected that there would be seven basic bodies, which would be, which would perhaps be the most 
we would perhaps be most lucid by stating as red ray body, etc. However, we are aware that you wish to correspond these bodies mentioned with the color rays. The bodies he mentioned were like astral bodies and other bodies. This will be confusing for various teachers have offered te their teach learning understanding in various terms. Thus, one may name a subtle body one thing and another find a different name. The red ray body is your chemical body. However, it is not the body which you have as clothing in the physical. It is the unconstructed material of the body, the elemental body without form. This basic unformed material body is important to understand for there are healings which may be carried out by the simple understanding of the elements present in the physical vehicle. And I imagine one simple example of that would be like, if you're not getting enough water, you just need to drink some more water. And I could even go to another level and say, like, he's talking about uh, the um, understanding of the elements present in the physical body. Um, yeah, I, I hope this isn't jumping ahead too much, but like if you love and anger, positive and negative, you know, the only difference between two chemicals sometimes is whether there's an extra electron or not. And, you know, whether you're holding a negative charge or a positive charge, whether you're manifesting more of this into your physical being or you're manifesting that into your physical being could be as simple as what is your mental atmosphere you know what what charge are you putting on the things that are within your physical realm yeah the simplest um, nature of the chemicals are electrical in their nature too mm -hmm. yeah uh, the orange ray body is the physical body complex. So I guess we're not just talking about metaphysical bodies in this passage. We're talking about all the bodies. The orange ray body is the physical body complex. This body complex is still not the body you inhabit, but rather the body formed without self-awareness, the body in the womb before the spirit mind complex enters. This body may live without the in inhabitation of the mind and spirit complexes. However, it seldom does so. So I assume this is also related to what animals um are more in tune with is the the physical body complex that is not yet self-aware and the spirit the mind and spirit complexes um i, I assume they, they say the animals have mind complexes but don't have spirit complexes formed yet but they have the spirit complexes in potentiation meaning off in the future as a potential of what they're they're growing into um so the nature of the spirit complex is also maybe too big of a discussion to go into right now. Um, but yeah, this is just very fascinating to me that they would see this as a separate concept. The physical body is a separate concept when it has the spirit versus when it doesn't have the spirit inhabiting. Agreed. The yellow ray body is your physical vehicle, which you know of at this time and in which you experience catalyst. This body has the mind-body-spirit characteristics and is equal to the physical illusion as you have called it. Equal to the physical illusion as you have called it. Hmm. So the difference between the orange and yellow, to your point, is whether or not this, the spirit-mind complex is present? Yeah. Okay. Inhabiting. Equal to the physical illusion, this body has the mind-body-spirit characteristics and is equal to the physical illusion. Hmm. I, I kind of see it as it's like the lens. It's like 
it's like the avatar it's it's the it's what we have stepped into if, if we're going to go watch a movie and we step into the lens of the camera we're we're we're, we're becoming what that camera can take in through the light that's coming and hitting it so our maybe maybe our physical vehicle is also filtering uh the reality and giving us the illusion of some sense of a reality through this limited form these also seem like they're very they're very closely lining up with the densities where the first density was the elemental the second density was uh you know life without the sphere complex right. third density is is you know we're supposed to be in third density moving the fourth density which essentially is uh a fourth density being that hasn't recognized its fullest potential yet like we have the potential we have the mind the body and the spirit but we're not quite using it all correctly and that would be what fourth density is or not not correctly i shouldn't say correctly we're not using them to the fullest of their potential yeah hey. The body may live without the inhabitation of the mind and spirit complexes. So I don't want to like, you know, get all off completely into conjecture. And yet still, that does kind of beg the question right then. If you go into a coma or, you know, whatever the circumstance is where the spirit and mind are no longer present, well, it seldom does it, but it does do it. And yeah. why? Why does the body live without a mind and spirit present? And what subtle energy bodies are present keeping that orange ray body, you know, manifest and, and have the other, have the other subtle energy bodies, you know, also left if the mind and spirit are no longer present, are those subtle energy bodies gone as well? And then do you end up with just an orange ray, body with two causal energy bodies i suppose just the the first and second and and why would it do that well i think that carla was a perfect example of that when she was receiving ra into her body her mind and spirit went away so that ra's mind spirit could enter into her body you know so if you're doing a, a channeling that's a time when your body continues but your mind and spirit go away that's a good point when you're meditating to some degree, you know, if you fully go into the meditation. Yeah. I think I've... that DMT is a good example. When you, when you, when you fully, you know, go into that other realm, it's nice to know that your body's going to be there when you come back. <laughs> yeah. With the silver cord that Mike just pulled up here. Yeah, there is what you might call the silver silver cord reflex. That is when the mind-body-spirit complex dwells without the environs of the physical shell. And the physical shell is disturbed. The physical shell will reflexively call back the absent enlivener. That is the mind-body-spirit complex, which is connected with what may be metaphysically seen as what some of your philosophers have called the silver cord. If this is done suddenly, the mind-body-spirit complex will attempt entry into the energy web of the physical vehicle without due care. This is a situation that Carla had had to work through. And the effect is as if one were to stretch one of your elastic bands and let it shrink rapidly. The resulting snap would strike hard at the anchored position of the elastic band. So there's definitely a physics, metaphysics to this, this process of 
connected it these. It is interesting. And what, what's happening metaphysically, though, is what it's saying is that the physical shell, the orange ray body, is the thing that does, says reflexively, call back the absent enlivener. So um, while they describe it as a silver cord, as a sort of less than conscious aspect of our consciousness, you know, attaching it together, what they're really saying here, though, is that the physical body somehow knows for its own survival it can't quite exist without the enlivener and therefore it will call it back yeah. which is interesting because how is it aware of the enlivener that's kind of an it, it's an interesting question how is an orange ray physical body aware of the enlivener and know that it can or should call it back i think that we are if 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 we have if we're in third density and time is linear to us now then we have lived second density we've experienced second density we've experienced first density and then now we're in fourth third slash fourth density if you if you separate your your first density portion of your being from your second third and fourth you kind of you know you have a um um an innate feeling of already done this been here bring that thing back <laughs> this isn't what we're supposed to be doing right now i see yeah that kind of makes sense you're like yeah i've been here done this feels a little weird <laughs> yeah yeah we're, we're we're going backwards instead of forwards it's interesting they said they preface this with saying we can only answer mechanically as there is no philosophy to the reflexes of the physical vehicular function so it must just be this built-in component of the incarnation or maybe instead of it being your body calling your mind spirit back your mind spirit is saying no no you're not supposed to be in this realm yet go back and experience the physical realm true There's um yeah I was just reading the question there too that is asking about the movement of the microphone cord and that's why not mechanically or or chemically but philosophically if you can yeah and they said well there is no philosophy here <laughs> it just is what it is this is yeah this is just the mechanics yeah so we could we could try to move on here to the other bodies and see if we can glean anything that makes sense to us i know i've struggled with these before um so moving beyond what we currently experience, the green the green ray body is that body, or I should say moving beyond, beyond the physical illusion that we're currently experiencing. The green ray body is that body which may be seen in seance when you what you call ectoplasm is furnished. And I don't have experience with that. Maybe Don Elkins did. Maybe that's why they, they reference seance here. Um, this is a lighter body packed with more dense, more densely with life. You may call this the astral body following some other teachings. Others have called this the same body, the etheric body. However, this is not correct in the sense that the etheric body is that body of gateway wherein intelligent energy is able to mold the mind-body-spirit complex. So they, they would talk about the etheric body further down as being the indigo ray body. Um, uh, but the green ray body is the astral body. So I assume people who are astrally traveling are experiencing the astral body. And I've had that 
you know, briefly and a few experiences of that. And I, I know friends, some friends of mine have definitely experienced that much more than me, the out of body experience. And for me, it's like an experience, which is vastly more full of uh, a sense of peace and uh, it, it doesn't really seem to have the heaviness to it. It's a very lightness when you're in that state. Um, hmm. But then again, I don't really know for sure that I would call that the, if that is the same thing as what they're talking about. But, but what, if, I guess they say when they say following some other teachings, then maybe at least we can infer that some teachings on the astral body would relate to the astral plane and would relate to actual experiences people are having in this third density illusion, going slightly beyond the third density into the fourth density in the astral body, I suppose. Others have called this the etheric body. So he's he's saying that, you know, doesn't matter how you call it, as long as you get that that sense of it is it is your beingness without necessarily your physical physical beingness. Yeah. It's um it's interesting. Um so in the the um the mystery school tradition it is referred to as etheric the what the first one that's right outside the physical um because that's the one that we're actually performing surgery on when we when we slice that open and these codons pop out what do you mean um, by is it a certain ritual you're doing to do the surgery yeah this the the king solomon life activation um uses a crystal on the end of the wand to um to make an incision um below the occipital um bone where the bump is in the back of the skull um down you know about 10 or 11 inches 12 inches or so it might be a foot it's pretty close um maybe a little less than a foot actually yeah i think it's maybe closer to eight or ten inches um anyway you slice that open and that's the and they certainly refer to it as the etheric body is what we're opening there and then these 12 codons pop out and that's what's getting activated interesting yeah and moving on the light blue the light body or blu-ray body may be called the devicanic body i don't know if i'm even pronouncing that right there are many other names for this body, especially in your so-called Indian sutras or writings, for there are those among your peoples which have explored these regions and understand the various types of devicanic bodies. There are many, many types of bodies in each density, much like your own. What is devicanic? That sounds familiar. Yeah, I had to Google it when I first encountered it. Well, let me do that now. See what they say in Google. It brings up a Devacan. Zoom that in a bit. Get past the advertisement. Nope, nope. <laughs> Won't let me. <laughs> okay. Uh, Devacan comes from Sanskrit words deva, gods, and the Tibetan word chan can possessing having subject to well it's oh. the do you understand that nick yeah yeah so so it's um 
it's the it's the area where God dwells, you know, um, I, I don't want to say within your physical body, but within your within your mind, body, spirit complex. It's it, it, because if you go back to Ra, he said um, um, the astral or the etheric. Some people call it the astral. Some people call it the etheric. And then he went on to say, but this is not correct because the etheric is the area where uh, in, intelligent infinity can come in. I think that's where he's, this is the etheric, the devocan, the area where God, the intelligent infinity can enter into the physical body. See this, see the last line. However, this is not correct in the sense that the etheric, uh, in the sense that the etheric body is that body, a gateway where an intelligent energy is able to mold uh, the mind body spirit complex. So the gateway, the devocanic body, you know, this is an area where, um, your your self is open to the in streamings of god the in in, uh, in streamings of intelligent infinity I, I could imagine it's possible that's what they're talking about uh with some of these references but here i guess Ra is trying to draw a distinction also between the blu-ray body called the devocanic body and the indigo ray body called the etheric body so they still have their a separation between these two types um of uh the blu-ray versus indigo ray and I assume this is like so far beyond most everyone uh, to to have these experiences um, to understand the differences. If it's even sensible to to call this the De the Devakan. Um, Can you scroll down just a little bit, Mike? Yeah, I'll just read that next line there. Yeah. Okay. So the Theosophy describes Devakan as regarded as a place where most souls go after death, where desires are gratified. What's interesting is it sounds like they're describing the etheric body, but I agree with what you were saying, Mike, from before. It seems like it is a step below the etheric body, I guess, but from what we're reading here, I mean, it's, that's what they say is I, we go to our etheric body after we, we die, so it is kind of funny that there is some uh, correlations between the two, it seems. It yeah. does say I have a mental plane. Yeah, I don't know if this is really diving into the Sanskrit at all here. They're they're talking about C.W. Leadbeater. It doesn't seem like he's a Sanskrit scholar, I assume. He's a theosophy teacher. So, yeah, uh, maybe we could I could research this more and we could touch on it. I don't it have to dive into my notes because I vaguely remember um, during the during the um, the course that I took, I, I vaguely remember writing Devocanic Body. So I'm going to have to dive into my notes and and see what they said. Do you remember anything, Ed, talking about the devocanic body? Um, it, it sounds so familiar. I know, I know. The sutras are the, the sutras more broad than the the Kama sutras. I mean, that's the only one that I've heard of. But I assume that the sutras is something much more broad. The, yeah, the, the sutras are. Yeah, the sutras are are like um, it's it's like um, almost like a guideline type thing. Whereas the Kama Sutra is a guideline in a very specific area of life. Okay. I was in a Panta, Panta Jelly that had been resubscribed to the sutras there. He redictated them back in the day, but it was, yeah, I think it was different though. And the Yoga Sutras? Yes, yeah, the Sanskrit Sutras, yeah. It's, it's yes, like, that was like a set of. Um, like a set of guidelines, almost. It, I I think the easiest way to picture it would be like um, 
um, like uh, in, in Hermeticism, they have the law of mentalism, the law of correspondence, the law, you know, or not law, but, you know, vibration and all that. It's it's like that. It's like um, like a commentary um, on a thing. Yeah, and and it's it's sayings and things that are that are um, uh, inspiring thought in a different direction, one in one direction or another. Yeah, and the karma sutras are a uh, you know a very specific portion of it. Okay. For karma, not karma. Yeah. Yeah, so so Wikipedia does give us clues here about the different um, Vedas through the Br Brahmanas and the Aranyakas. And so this is a huge area of research that I haven't gone down yet. Well, what do you got to say? I'm reading. Wow. Concerned with the meaning of ritual sacrifice? I didn't see how you got onto the Aranyakas. I got onto this by looking up sutra on uh, on Wikipedia, and they said the oldest sutras of Hinduism are found on the Brahmana and Aranyaka layers of the Vedas. Ah. Okay. Well, it sounds if it is related to sacrifice, that would sound again kind of like what a sutra is. Sort of here's a way of being in the world. Mm -hmm. I think I, I could just finish up reading this passage and we can close it out for this session. Okay. Um, the indigo ray body, um, when, it's fascinating that here they're saying there's many, many types of bodies in each density, which would mean there's many, many types of manifestations of a devocanic body, I guess. The indigo ray body, which we choose to call the etheric body, is, as we have said, the gateway body. And this body form is substance in this body form is substance i don't know if i should read it with the, the the comma or not in this body form is substance and you may only see this body as that of light as it may mold itself as it desires that seems a little bit contradictory to say that in this body form is substance and then to go on to say um but this body see this body as that of light you may only see this body as that of light substance and light um i don't know why i'm seeing those as different maybe things. substance doesn't necessarily mean um well i mean you could say that light is the core of manifestation and materialization too Agreed. yeah so this is probably yeah. like the, the purest um substance as, as, yeah. as can, can you go back there for one second yeah i what if we read it like this in this in this um uh oh my god i just had the thought in this condition body is thought like mm. physical is thought meaning that they are pure thought that can manifest in any physical desire any any way to be desired so they they are at the point of the, the point of pure mentalism before manifested therefore they they are just light and can be manifested into whichever way i think that it's confusing because it says in this body 
form is substance. Like in this state, physical is mental or physical comes from mental. I don't know, just playing, that's what came to my mind. It does seem to 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 straddle the line between physicality and and mentalism. I agree with you yeah. there. That seems to be the point of it as is that yeah. you're it's being molded by desire. Yeah. I think that they said in this body form is substance for continuity almost, you know, indigo body, uh a light body, the orange body, the red body, you know, they kept going with body. So to keep explaining it further, they have to say in this body. But we have too much of a connection with body being, you know, this this thing that we're in, whereas they're just meaning like in this state, you know, of being. The physical is the mental. Oh, they go into it more here. They say one suggestion that may be indicated is this. The indigo ray body may be used by the healer once the healer becomes able to place his consciousness in this etheric state. And I think that's also where they activate then the spirit complex portion too, which we save that conversation for later. But that was heavily tied to what, from what I remember, to that indigo ray body in order to enable you to to become that healer. Yeah. And then the final body they talk about is the violet ray body, which may be perhaps understood as what you may call the Buddha body or that body which is complete. Each of these bodies has an effect upon your mind, body, spirit complex, and your life beingness. The inner relationships, have, as we have said, are many and complex. And then they say perhaps one suggestion that may be indicated is this, and maybe this related to the original question, which was um, if there's any other bodies, um, this is the proper number of bodies. And they say one suggestion may be indicated is this, the indigo ray body may be used by the healer once the healer becomes able to place its consciousness in this etheric state, the violet ray body or buddhic body is of equal efficacy to the healer, for within it lies a sense of wholeness, which is extremely close to unity with all that there is. These bodies are part of each entity, and the proper use of them and understanding of them is, though far advanced from the standpoint of third density harvest, nevertheless useful to the adept. So we're just barely getting our, our fingers dipped into this kind of understanding, I think, as beginners on this journey. Yeah. yeah, I think it's funny they bring that up between the indigo ray and the violet ray one, because reading those, I cannot begin to decipher the difference between those two there. It, it sounds like you're kind of describing the same thing. And when they right. say you can do your healing in both of those bodies, it's yeah it's, it's very difficult to differentiate but that's, that is interesting that they ron mentions that in this final quote here he's saying that that's kind of far beyond our third density understanding yeah it almost sounds like the the violet ray the buddha body is 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 the all the indigo ray is like one step below the all i, I would i would suggest like the buddha body you know, the Buddha body is the universal mind. And then the indigo ray body, the etheric body would be like the sun, you know, so the universal and then being the logi, the logi, and then the sun being the sub logi, the indigo ray. And then it just plays further down into the densities. 
I just I keep getting this thought as we're reading this that like we're experiencing the physical realm in linear time but all of it exists at the same time and your higher selves are all there in their in their different manifestations looking back at the physical self saying get it get it you're almost there get it <laughs> get it once you've realized that you're manifesting all of this with your mind you will then have that moment where you connect with the rest of us that are sitting here in timelessness watching you struggle through time like like both ends are trying to come together and they're they're meeting at us right now which is holding holding our own ability to just receive it all to understand it all yeah this fractalized nature of of consciousness has certainly um brought itself to the fore here recently because you can just simultaneously see the upwelling of consciousness in its individuated state at a universal level and so in infinite ways of the of the infinitely granular consciousness that can only ever rise like gravity i mean it literally just doesn't know anything else it's more under almost you know it's almost like electromagnetic forces um but obviously not but it's it's just fundamental to its essence and its nature and then you have at the macro level at the oneness level at the channeling level at the raw level at social memory complex level and all of that you have consciousness um operating in its closer to closer archetypal forms not individuated but um in complete and wholeness and this is happening at the same time. This is the Kundalini. This is the inner light, you know, coming down at the at the same time as that light within us is seeking to to rise. Um, that's been setting in um, lately for me, and it's been pretty accessible. and And I find balance in that, and understanding that these two things are happening at the same time. It's um, it's farming. It's consciousness farming itself. And, um, and I really like that process. Yeah. Like the example of the flower and the bee, you know, without the, without the bee pollinating the flower, there is no flower. And without the flower giving the bee, the food and energy to exist, there is no bee saying that they're almost one organism. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. okay. They're one organism that's sort of feeding off of itself yeah. and, and doing so because the, fundamentally the the force of life is consciousness um and it's it's um unwavering decision to to reunite with its source like the manifest being us in the physical world is no different than the unmanifest and the the whole point of this is for us to realize that and then we would have full and total control over what manifests because we know that there is no separation between the unmanifest the mental and the manifest the physical yeah it's kind of like physics and metaphysics um yeah. being you know that line between the two is uh, you know just shifting 300 years ago um you know the the court of physics was <laughs> much smaller and metaphysics was pretty much everything and now that ratio is sliding but it's really just relative to our own understanding of it but in reality it's always just a ratio of what's understood and what's not understood but again relative to our understanding it's it's all one thing it's the law of one literally yeah
Yeah, it's very fascinating to think that the, you know, the technologies that we have hints of having existed 12,000 years ago in Atlantean times when they were working with apparently with crystals and they had, they they were, they were building things with consciousness in a, in a way that, you know, it's completely foreign to our science, which is still based in the uh, building blocks of machinery and electric electricity is giving us a hint into something deeper about the nature of manifestation through technology but it's almost like we've closed off the the sciences which are able to bridge those those gaps between electricity and consciousness that we could have been using i think a long time ago to to heal ourselves and to power our cities more effectively um but yeah these understandings of the hidden aspects of our reality are like an infinite thing that we have to we get to explore for eons yeah we get to that's that's the that's like the the, because i believe that we have certain aspects of our society have known a lot of these things for a long time it's just they haven't let them out because then they lose control over society and it is about those seeking to reunify with the one and to regain all of the knowledge so that we can be back in that place of unification. And then for the, for the whole polarity thing, like the other people are trying to keep it the way it is, to, to keep it separated, to, to keep enjoying the physical uh, for all of its, you know, lavish things that it, 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 it has to offer. But some, some people are just like, okay, I'm, I'm trying to keep progressing here to, to unity, to, to the, um, you know, the one, it, it, it started as the one, it fractalized out to have all the experiences and then ultimately it comes back. How quickly it comes back depends on how many people choose the polarity of let's continue to learn that we are all one and, and start pushing uh, the physical being that us, the, you know, our, our animals, all these things, we can't all come back into unity until we decide that we're going to and then make our way that way. Sure. Which I'm glad that 90% of, of life is predisposed to service uh, to others. That's kind of nice. It would be a lot more. Well, I don't know that we could uh, evolve as a, as a universe or a multiverse. If, if that, those fundamental if the math wasn't there, you know, if it was, if it was far more common to be in service to self, then it seems like you would just see a spiral. Just the, the whole universe itself would just only descend into greater and greater uh, darkness, but we are wired in service to others because it's, it's, um, it's in our nature, I think. Yep. That's a different discussion too, that they, they talked about in the material with, the the challenges of the the negative polarities and finding enough harmony to actually grow and evolve but eventually they do i guess they they do because they have to it's the only way at some point they have to make it happen it's just a more difficult uh route it seems like um though without anything else to to compare it to if you don't have an experience of doing both then i guess you may not know that there's another way yeah so this was uh, a, a pretty awesome discussion about, uh, the th- I think we wrapped up session five here and next time we can talk about session six. 